Online communities, classroom culture, and personal relationships have something in common. Whether it's forming a strong emotional bond, feeling included and accepted, or having an attachment to others, feeling like we belong makes us happy. Ever wonder why? Join me, Dr. Eileen Winokur, for my bi-weekly podcast, Journeys to Belonging, as I discuss my personal and professional experiences with belonging and interview educators and others as they share their stories of belonging. At the end of every episode, I'll offer advice about how we can all feel like we belong. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Journeys to Belonging. This week's episode, I am so excited to be able to have as my guest, Noah Daniels. Noah, I have known online, but I feel I know her personally for several years now. I've been listening to her podcast, which I hope she'll talk about in a minute, and also been following some of the projects that she's doing because she's so involved. And so I think what I'd like to do is have Noah introduce herself because I'd like her to highlight what she thinks is really important and going on in her life. Okay, well, thank you. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. It's funny, you know, I feel like I've known you as well. You were one of the first people that I engaged with on Twitter and you've always been such a positive person in my PLN. And it's, it's so nice to actually be able to sit here and have a conversation with you, but it doesn't feel like the first time in any way, even though through the mentory I've seen you more face-to-face than in any other context but really i'm i'm a teacher like this is what i am my daughters call me a teacher because i can't separate my teacherness from anything that i do so i teach mm. part-time i have a grade eight homeroom class and the other part of the time i i run a practice called building outside the blocks but really it's it was licensed for me to just do what i love to do and be creative so i built um, a lot of different spaces kind of unknowingly become a podcaster really didn't intend to be a podcaster but I love my podcast it comes from a project in my classroom I actually did a recent TEDx talk on it that's coming out next week I'm really excited to share it because the P3 is is really about people and it's just an avenue for people to share parts of themselves through music so that's a big part of me. I also run a weekly live show called On Ed Mentors, where I gather a different panel every week mm-hmm. of educators to talk about subjects that matter and hear their voices and learn from each other. So I am now a podcaster, although it's really about the conversation than the tech. And I listen to like amazing podcasters out there and everybody has a really different angle and a different mm-hmm. why. And my why is really about people and their stories if I had to, you know, boil it down to one idea. Um, And that's really what I do in the classroom is I create projects and I share them around the world that help kids see and be themselves at school. And I kind of, I kind of took on this term recently called self-word because I help kids face self-word. And I don't think enough of school does that. Allows kids to, you know, develop skills and, Mm -hmm. you know, build not just curricular um, accomplishments, but learning skill accomplishments at the Mm -hmm. same time as they get to know themselves better. And that I think that that's Mm -hmm. probably one of the greatest contributions I feel I can make to education. Um, And so in a lot of ways, the mentory is like a natural extension of that because 
people get to know themselves through mentorship and in a one-on-one -on -one situation when people can find themselves a mentor and they get to know what they need mm -hmm. as a, a personal learning need professional learning need and how to build their own efficacy the more that they can find the people that will build them up and not everybody is out there like we are you know finding people on our own and just deciding okay this is what i want to learn mm -hmm. so if we can empower people to self-reflect and take that journey into what they need and then find them then right. then we can create spaces where learning doesn't feel imposed and it really is is self-directed and meaningful yeah. so that's yeah. kind of in a nutshell what i do but I mean, like I have a book that's coming out soon, a children's book. Well, not oh. soon. I'm in the process of doing it, but it, it kind of perfectly falls under the umbrella, even though people are like, wow, that's so not what you're doing. And I'm like, no, it's really everything that I'm doing. So I build outside the blocks is yes. a long answer. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so cool because, you know, life is a journey. And obviously when we're, when we're thinking of, you know, when we look back and we think of where, we're, we, where we are now, we probably couldn't have predicted that we would be at this spot. I certainly can't. And I wouldn't think I would have been a podcaster right now also, even though it's, you know, the beginning of sort of my journey in podcasting. But things sort of move into other things and, and then there you are. Um, so my, my first question is sort of a general question just to get us focused a little bit on the idea of belonging, but all of the things that you're talking about and all of the things that you do, Noah, have to do with belonging. We just usually don't think of them that way. So when you think of belonging, what comes to mind? What, what, what are your ideas or what thoughts do you have? What are the first words that you think of or, or you know? What is I think of self-love, self acceptance, and community I, are the first words that come to my mind. And I think in many ways, we all struggle in our lives to belong, whether it's in our families or in other communities that we belong to um, naturally, and some communities we seek to belong to. But we have to belong to ourselves first. And I think that it's a worthy investment to to love and accept yourself and in many ways a lifelong journey but mm. that sense of belonging is what allows you to do all the other pieces that propels your belonging to the different spaces that you want to be in so yeah yeah and I think sometimes we we lose sight of that because we're so focused on belonging to a community or um, trying to fit in you know Brene Brown talks about the difference between fitting in and actual belonging. And I think sometimes we're so focused on outside of us, we don't think about how important it is for us to feel like we belong. And she, I know she talks and other authors and researchers talk about that whole idea of feeling comfortable within yourself and being alone with yourself and then being able to sort of feel that belonging. So, I, you know, I think it's really important. Uh, uh, and it sort of fits into it you said about the students feeling that self-worth, you know, being, being able to feel okay within themselves. So you're trying to instill that in your students, which I think is really, really cool because it's not something that we do naturally many times. 
you know, because it involves reflection. The hardest, yeah. Well, it's mm-hmm. it, it it involves reflection, but it's also like you said, it's not natural for some reason. Mm-hmm. It almost seems counterintuitive because mm-hmm. we're our first selves, we're our first community, and yet somehow. Um, I don't know if it's a societally imposed thing or if it's something that mm-hmm. happens um, and how our neurotransmitters get built, but more often than not, people's sense of belonging is a, jer- a journey and even a struggle. And it's something mm-hmm. for me that I, I struggled with. I was like, okay, well, I'll just be the weird other because that's that's how I'll feel like I can belong because I don't mm-hmm. know how to do this. <laughs> So I was like, okay, well, I'll just be, you know, Noah, kind of like Sharon Madonna, like, you don't need my last name because I'm that girl. But I, I think that was all part of trying to embrace that I didn't find my people for so long. And that's what's so powerful about Twitter and why I wonder all the time how educators aren't on Twitter. It saved me. It saved me as a professional because I needed to be able to dialogue about work in a joyful way and people were like I don't want to talk to you about education anymore (laughs) because it's kind of a hobby it's not just something that I I love to do it's not even just a hot it's who I am so you know finding people like you that you could talk deeply and meaningfully about what we're doing as educators and you know the kind of work that you do it's really inspirational when you first came to the mentory and you were like, I really wanted to, to help other educators. And then, you know, saying, I actually really want to focus on people who need me in a different way. And I would love to, well, I get to talk to you because we're doing a double whammy today and I'm recording your <laughs> P3. So we can talk about that part of you then, but all of those kind of reinforce the beauty of belonging to a place where everybody's contributing something unique and everybody can be themselves and everybody can take from each other because sharing is is just a part of what educators are doing in that social media platform and and that's a community i feel like i don't know how i've been so lucky to curate a space that is so positive and so affirming and i think that's and maybe you're surprised because you're in yourself but I think it's because that's what you exude. That's, that's what you show. That's what you portray is this whole idea of um, if I'm in, find myself in a corner or if I see a problem, I'm going to go and try to solve it. I'm not going to sit and moan and groan about it. Um, And so people sort of feed off of that, I think. And I know that Twitter is my lifeline, you know, being so far away from uh, from everybody and everything, and although there's a you know a good solid education community in Kuwait, it's really hard to navigate how to keep in touch. So um, yeah, so I know because what you mean distances? about Twitter. Tell uh, me what you mean by that. Yeah, it's sort of what's going on. You know, we have our small community of educators, and we sort of know what's going on in our space. But what's going on in the you know, rest of the world, what's happening in the West, and so much of the textbooks for the, for, the, um, for the foreign schools are from the West, but it's like, well, what are they really talking about, and what are they doing, and how are they solving problems in terms of an ESL population, and you know, what, are, what are the methods and strategies they're using? We always feel a little bit behind in all of that because those conversations aren't happening. And for a long time, we really didn't have any professional development at all, unless there was a teacher within a school who wanted to offer something. But in terms of access to 
mentoring or professional development, up until just the last couple of years, it was almost non-existent. And even those conversations weren't happening. So, so that's something that I, you know, Twitter is my lifeline. It's also enabled me to come out of myself. I'm a very private person. So, um, but we can talk about that a little bit later. I want to know more about you. I'm so, intrigued. yeah. So, um, I know that P3, you know, I, I, I listened to on ed, but, um, P3 is sort of one of my go-tos because I think it's so much fun with the relationship to music. So, and it seems that within P3, I don't know how long you've been doing it, but within P3, you've sort of created this common bond or community. And I'm wondering if you feel that relates to a sense of belonging or maybe just talk about it a little bit. You know, what is P3 to you and what do you feel a P3 is to the others who have either listened to it or been on it? Okay. Well, so this summer will be my third year of doing the show. And Stephen Hurley, who was at this new space, Voice Ed Radio, and he um, enlisted Derek Rodenizer in creating this space that became the On Ed Mentor Show. And Derek brought me in. And so I was a panelist and Stephen for a long time was asking me to start a podcast. And I was like, I'm, I'm not a podcaster, Stephen. Like, I'm happy to be on the panel. Thank you so much. That's such a nice honor, but no, I'm good. And when we finally met in person several months in, he asked me the same question. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I suggested this project that I had done in my classroom. And originally, it was called a personal soundtrack. And it pretty much had the same format. It was a nostalgic song, a song that reflects your identity. And I actually called it an anthem at the time because, you know, people have their personal anthems uh, or theme songs even. And my students um, had done it. I was teaching grade seven lit, lit well, it's called language and literature um, in the IB. So I was teaching it for two years at that point. And each of those two years, profound things had happened during the personal soundtrack experience. But the personal soundtrack was one of a, what's called a tribop. So it's a three-part building outside the blocks project. So they would start with a personal, I mean, a portrait of themselves. So a PS1 and then evolved to the PS2, which was a personal soundtrack. And then uh, photosynthesis, which was the PS3, was about taking photographs. But each one was an element of self-discovery months to introduce, to show exemplars, and then have the students present them. And the power wasn't just in listening to the kids' stories, although it was. It was also in sharing the experience. And it was something that I was still evolving what a building outside the blocks approach was. And, it, and it's such an important component to share with your class community. Mm. And so I was seeing students connecting with each other on levels that they wouldn't have had they not listened to each other and so deeply and profoundly heard each other through this process. So I was like, wouldn't this be cool to talk to educators? And I, I wanted to do a short show that was also intimate. So how do you even do that? Not that I even thought about that when I threw it out there. I don't think I had a plan at all. I was like, let's try this. But I am a person who likes to name things. And so almost the second I name something, I, I've created it in my mind. So I said to him, I, but I don't want to call it a personal soundtrack. I want to call it a personal playlist podcast. And then the P3 was kind of born. And through the the first months, even though I was fumbling through the technology of putting the actual podcast together and getting a lot of great support from different mentors, 
the stories that people were sharing with me were so beautiful and profound. And every week I found myself so honored. Actually, it was every other week at the beginning. And then I just wanted to do it weekly because I couldn't believe that way people were sharing with me and what I could do in such a short time. So the P3 is, is like a sacred space where people bring me music, but they bring me them and they vulnerably tell me their stories, but they're sharing their stories out there. And I think that that's why people listen to it, not just because of the music, although the music is super cool (laughs) and you can learn so much about people through their song choices. It's really about how they unpack the song. So three of the same people could do the same song, even for the same category, and it would mean something totally different. And to hear people sharing their life stories in a way that makes them feel proud and own whatever it is, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's, it's, it's an honor to be able to do it. So I, I love it so much. And I'm excited to get to know you through your P3, Eileen. Yeah, yeah thank you, Noah. And I can see how, how much a part of you P3 is. I can, I can see your emotion and your passion when you talk about it. Um, and, and yeah, I, I see that P3 is a community. I, I, I've seen people post about when they've either been on your show or they've listened to, to one of the podcasts. And it really does have, a, like you said, a profound effect on them. And it's so cool that it started with a project in your classroom. And I love that project, by the way. Are you still doing that project with your students? I do it every year. I actually, so after my TED Talk, I put the outline available to anybody who wants to do the project. Because in some ways, yes, it's about the educators, but even more from a, a reach standpoint, is people are now taking this project and whether they're using it exactly how I outlined it or like Carol Salva has adapted it for ELLs with you know more prompts than my original project. And then I just got messages from two people after my TED talk, um, cause it was on the P3 ultimately, mm-hmm. um, about how they've adapted it. So one person used it for a novel study and had wow. people look at the characters and do their P3s oh, wow. and record it, which was a really interesting take. And this woman just last night said, oh, well, I just initiated it and kind of like a teaser said that she would keep us posted, whoever was listening, that her, her student's P3 looks a little bit different. I like to do it at the beginning of the year to get to know my students because it changes our class community and it changes how we introduce ourselves to each other, but also ourselves. And so it's like creating a space where everybody brings who they are and what they are to the construction of what it means to be our classroom. So I love the show, but I I love that people want to use the project in their classes and I give it away for free because of that. Right. And yeah, and I I, definitely, you know, creating that sense of community and that climate in the classroom really creates that sense of or that feeling of belonging for everybody. You know, you become a team, you're looking out for each other, you know each other's stories, um, and you know, you can be sensitive to the kinds of things that people are expressing to you. Um, The last question I I wanted to ask you before I ask you to give us some advice is um, you, you work a lot with mentoring teachers, that's really important to you also. And so for um, new teachers just coming in, I know many times it's, most times it's difficult to find your sense of belonging. So what are some of the things maybe that you do to instill that? Or do you find that teachers do have a difficulty sort of feeling 
that they're part of the group when they first start? You know, everybody's different. And so you get your, your new teachers who think they know everything and they're done learning. And you get your new teachers that are so eager and they want to do everything and they want to change the world tomorrow. And then you get your teachers who understand that they have to pace themselves and you work with everybody from where they are because you don't have all the answers for them. You have lots of answers, but I think that it's in the questions that we ask and how we get people thinking about themselves and their purpose that the best mentorship happens. And it's through building that relationship over the long term. And that's what we kind of say at the mentory is everybody has something to teach and everybody has something to learn. And just because you're a new teacher doesn't mean you can't teach me something. And so that reciprocity becomes so significant and creating a relationship early on where you're just building a sense of trust and understanding and knowing each other allows you to have a mentor in your back pocket when things really go down. I have been so privileged to have so many incredible mentors in my life and it was something I needed to give back when I, on and mentors became what it became as a, you know, a show where we realized we were mentoring each other. I went to Lee Castle of Digital Human Library and said, can we create a space leveraging what you've built and understanding human capital as a, as a professional learning resource. And then through that work, we saw that it was actually building efficacy for teachers and helping with teacher well-being. So that's where a lot of our research and when we debrief with people after they have their mentorship or they build their mentorship relationships to really see how it's impacted them on those three big ideas. And like in any situation, people bring to it what they what they decide to bring to it, but hopefully if they can bring to it who they are and what the essence of their why is as teachers, then they can get the most out of it as opposed to saying, okay, just teach me an ed tech tool, which can be fine too. Mm -hmm. But again, like some some mentorship relationships are profound and leave this incredible mark on who you are as an educator and some are fleeting and all of those are good because they're all moving you on your own learning continuum, whether it's learning about the kind of educator you wanna be or the kind of educator you are. So mentorship is, is so much about facing selfward and the more teachers are honest with themselves and who they are and what they're trying to do, the, the better that experience can be. Yeah, I love how you focus, when, when we've talked throughout the, the podcast, how you focused on the fact that it's so important to start with yourself before you sort of look outside. And yes, you, you can teach strategies, but if you're really not focusing on yourself and starting where you know, your mentee is, um, it makes it much more difficult to sort of form that bond or that relationship. And that trust is so important in that relationship. And yeah, there are different types of mentoring, mentee relationships. Some are more profound than others. Um, so the, the last thing I wanted to ask about is, do you have any specific advice for parents, teachers, students in terms of being able to find their sense of belonging or, or feeling like they belong, especially at this time, you know, we're all sort of in a, an unusual situation, but in general, what kind of advice would you give, either in the classroom, personal life, or professional life? You know, I want to say I don't give advice, but I do. I give advice, like, all the time. <laughs> so I think that I just, I, I think that the message of what I say to people is always about why 
marinating and reflection are so essential in anybody's life and, and beginning with where every person is, is the most important lens from which to move forward. So I think that if I give a person advice, it's about spending time on understanding where you begin so that you can measure growth and so that you can, so that you can actually see that, uh, that continuum um, where you want to go. And, you know, there are many different ways we can go in education. And if I'm speaking to a parent, I say that about their child. Like, this is what I know about your child. This is what I think you want to accomplish. This is what I think they want to accomplish. And this is what I'd like to accomplish. Let's figure out how we can do this together. And then we kind of create a shared understanding. Because I think that's the other piece of it is often we're speaking and we think because we're using the same vocabulary that we're on the same page, but we're not. So it's about really communicating effectively with all stakeholders so that learners can know themselves and move forward. And I really do believe that school is a place where we should develop a deeper understanding of ourselves. And I've said to my students so many times, I'm going to teach you skills, learning skills, curriculum skills. But if you leave here, happier and more more true to who you are than I've, I feel I've done my job because especially teaching grade eight and going into high school they deserve to go into the world feeling proud and a deep sense of self absolutely absolutely and you know you, you talked a bit during the show about finding your purpose finding your why um, and I, I think those two key pieces are so important in really understanding ourselves. So that focus on who are we and what do we really want, even from a young age, I think is really, really important. Um, Noah, thank you so much for being on my show today. If people wanna get in touch with you or, or find out more about what you're doing, what's the best way for them to, to, to get in touch with you? Well, definitely Twitter at Noah's Bobs or on Instagram at Building Outside the Blocks. But if you go to buildingoutsidetheblocks.com, you can see my blog there. You can find the podcast page with all the amazing people that have been on the P3. You can find a link to the On Ed Mentors page and, of course, the mentory.com to check out our work and the building of this incredible community of people who are giving so that they can grow as well. Thanks a lot, Noah. And um, I'm looking forward to, to turning, it, turning the tables in a few minutes. Okay. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to my podcast, Journeys to Belonging. Um, and the next episode will be out in two weeks. In the meantime, you can connect with me on Twitter at Eileen Winokur, I-L-E-N-E-W-I-N-O-K-U-R, or on Instagram at Eileen underscore W. And you can also find my blog uh, at the website HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash cultures dot build. See you in two weeks. Thank you.